Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this series, we're examining every single goddamn page of Alien Hunger, a quick start adventure for Vampire the Masquerade, to determine what is the dumbest thing on that page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. If you'd like to play along at home, this is 1991's Alien Hunger, the official PDF release from White Wolf. Today we're discussing page 43 of Alien Hunger. We're in the characters section. We've just finished up with Prince Edward's right-hand man, the Terminator. We're now moving on from the Terminator to Seventh Son, Prince Edward's house band at the Broad Street. But we are not moving on from this author requiring celebrity impersonations from the storyteller. Because the first member of Seventh Son is Jason Dodgerson. Quote, Dodgerson is the only member of Seventh Son, not one of Edward's progeny. He is a Malkavian under the unfortunate delusion he is Jimi Hendrix. Before that, he was certain he was Robert Johnson, and so on, going back until his creation in the late 18th century, when he was convinced that he was Johann Sebastian Bach. Now that's back on page 42. It continues on to page 43 with, look, I could give you a lot of detail about this Malkavian whose thing is that he thinks he's Jimi Hendrix, but if you're familiar with Vampire the Masquerade at all, you know this character. A Malkavian with a silly, wacky derangement, who's basically cool as long as you put up with his eccentricities, but then he gets upset if you start messing with his one thing, his one facet of his personality, which in this case is that he thinks he's Jimi Hendrix. Jason contributes his bass playing skills to Seventh Son and contributes nothing to Alien Hunger. There's no reason we would engage him as a member of Seventh Son. I don't think there's any point in the story where we would, you know, unless during the hunt portion of the story, or if we tried to break into the Broad Street for some reason, the storyteller either randomly determined or chose that this would be the vampire who would run into us and have a fight with us. In other words, what any vampire would contribute to the story. Uh, yeah, there's there's no reason for us to deal with this guy. He's a good musician, music of four. But yeah, other than adding yet another character to this story, who's basically just a pop culture reference and needs to be performed as such, he's doing nothing, which is strange because his disciplines are plot-shakingly huge. First of all, he's got Presence 3 with excellent abilities to power that discipline. He's got no intimidation, so that aspect of Presence is a bust. His Entrancement ability, Presence 2, is a little bit better. This is where you kind of charm person and they're they're sort of helplessly enamored with you for a length of time. He's got the same dice pool for it, just Appearance 4, no Empathy ability, which is what you normally roll to use Entrancement. But unlike Awe, this is a power that is not really resisted mechanically. You just roll to see how long it lasts. And he can manage a day, which is pretty good. Uh, Long enough to have someone wrapped around your finger for most purposes. Where it's really apt for Jason, though, is compulsion by attraction. This is the power where when there's a group of people around you, you can convince some number of them to be intensely attracted to you. They'll do anything to be near you. They're obsessed with you. You can easily sway their emotions. Wannabe blues man and prince of Denver, Edward, has enough appearance and acting ability to get like two people in a crowd to feel this way about him. And those are going to be weak-willed people. Two is the cap, basically. But in a group of people with strong willpower, he he might not get anybody. Jason, meanwhile, is rolling nine dice for this, which means when he uses this power on a crowd, he usually becomes the focal point of obsession and obedience for 20 people at the low end to all the people in the vicinity, like a whole auditorium, if he wants, on the high end. This is a hugely powerful ability when you've got this kind of die pool, but it's not even his best thing or the dumbest thing in this page because granted, yes, Jason can motivate a lot of people. It's very useful for him, but since he's not really in this story, it doesn't make a huge difference. There's no obvious point where 
Prince Edward, if he were on the ropes, really worried about these vampire newcomers in his city, he could have sent Jason to go get a whole auditorium horny to the point of obedience and then, you know, lead them to go solve this problem somehow. It doesn't really apply. Jason could be up to some cool stuff by himself off to the side of the story, but we don't really care about that. His other discipline, though, is Auspex 5. With Auspex 5, Jason not only gets the power of psychometry, which is a very good sort of detective power in its own right, should have made it quite easy to track down the player characters whenever uh, Prince Edward was looking for them, but also Jason can read minds, and he does have the subterfuge score to back up this power, and Jason is capable of astral projection, which means he can fly around in spirit form, go through walls, go wherever he wants, move at like 500 miles an hour while he's in spirit form, and just watch people, read their minds, check out all their secret stuff, whatever he wants to do. Vampires with auspects have a chance at seeing him, but it's a small chance if they have a low amount of auspects. So to pick an example out of thin air, Louis Pasteur, whom Prince Edward suspected of plotting to assassinate him, if Prince Edward had sat down and had a good think about this situation before immediately resorting to murder by arson, he might have thought, hey, why don't I get my good friend and bandmate and subject Jason Dodgerson, or Jimi Hendrix, if that's what he fucking wants, who cares, and have him go and invisibly fly at 500 miles an hour in spirit form into the house of Jacob Prester and just snoop around, like fly through the walls, find this guy, watch, see what he's up to, get maybe get some information on people he might be working with, right? He's supposed to be amassing this force against me. Instead of just killing him with fire immediately, why don't I send this basically unstoppable spy to go see what he's up to? In fact, even if he's up to nothing overtly dangerous, I can have Jason read his mind. I can have him go there in invisible spirit form and read his mind. Of course, Jason could have done this to Vampire Drama Club, too. Marcus might have seen him with his level of aspects. Not likely, but maybe. In any event, he couldn't have really done anything about it. And then all you'd have to do is have Jason read the characters' minds to find out what they're up to. Which, of course, Prince Edward would want to do because he still wants to find out, you know, what Jacob Prester was up to. Even though Prester's dead, if he thinks that Prester created these new vampires to topple the mighty undead Empire of Denver... You know, of course, he'd want to read their minds and find out what's going on. And then he, Jason would do that and find out the truth. This plot really dissolves on contact with these powers. And here is this guy doing nothing but playing bass and thinking he's Jimi Hendrix, sitting there every Wednesday at the Broad Street, being a worthless joke NPC, while he has abilities that could, in short order, solve basically every problem that this story presents. Find the characters, read their minds, find out they're not a threat to Edward, approach them, in astral form, so he can't really be hurt, and let them know Edward wants to talk to them and they're going to be safe. They talk to Edward, get help dealing with the police investigation. From there, all Vampire Drama Club would have to do is basically go talk to Prester's neighbors and find out about Science Jaguar and look up his address by using his vanity plate. And from there, astral projection into Science Jaguar's place, read Science Jaguar's mind, find out about Klondike, go to Klondike's place, read his mind, find the serum, done. None of this needed to happen if only Jimi Hendrix had deigned to save us all. So that's probably the dumbest thing on this page, but that's only because the next thing we're going to cover and the next character we're going to cover on this page is a further indictment of Prince Ed, but one that totally fits his character. I can't call it dumb because yes, of course, he's this guy. The second member of Seventh Son is Karen Mauv. Quote, the drummer for Seventh Son, Karen is the most recently created of Edward's brood. She was made only a few years ago in 1985. Edward found her playing drums in a Fort Collins band. Fort Collins is a small city north of Denver with no prince of its own, and persuaded her to come to Denver to play for Seventh Son. After about a year, he embraced her, and she became a full member of the band in both blood and spirit. Now, Karen has a music of three, so she can hold her own in the band, but she's nothing really special. 
Nothing over on the stat side of the page is particularly special about Karen Mav. She's got Celerity 3, which is very good. Mediocre combat skills, but you know, that's okay when you get to act so many times each round. The only thing that really caught my eye, though, is the following, quote, apparent age, late teens. Now, that's her apparent age because that's when she was embraced. So when last we left the saga of Prince Ed, he had made his fortune. He was a middle-aged vampire retiree. He moved to Denver, bought a bar, hired himself and his friends as the house band, and having lots of power and financial security and property, decided to spend his nights and his wealth wearing a leather jacket on stage and playing Rolling Stones covers for mortal boomers. But now the saga continues because one weekend, this affluent sunglasses wearing dad rock loving motherfucker decided to take a a trip to Fort Collins. And while he was there, what did he run into? But a teenage girl, late teens, late teens, nothing creepy about this. He ran into this teenage girl. He saw her playing with like probably her high school band and thought like, yeah, like she's really got something. I mean, she's not a great musician. She's a pretty good musician though, like especially for her age. She's got a lot of uh, talent, a lot of potential, and importantly, she's very mature for her age. So, you know, he kind of took her under his wing, strutted up to her in his, his leather jacket and his sunglasses and convinced her to join his band full of shady people much older than her. And uh, the rest is history. You knew that Prince Ed was this guy. So I, I'm, I can't say that it's dumb. I can't even say that it's disappointing. But come on, man. She's 18. And by the way, her physical appearance is late teens. And he embraced her a year after inviting her to Denver to play in the band. So just a little more info about who Ed is willing and able to impress with his dad rock swagger. Join me next time as we continue through the roster of Seventh Son, which I'm sure will contain no more jokey references and a significantly stronger female character on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been Mega Dumbcast. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Social media was never healthy and is now dying, so if you want to contact me, you can email me. I am megadumbcast at gmail.com. This season's theme song is Suck City by Black Math, whose work you can find at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash black underscore math. Dumbheads, I will catch you next time.